Hello and welcome to the second episode of our season this year and I'm speaking to Paul Sparrow Clark. I first met Paul when we were both up at the University of Lethbridge working there Um, but the things that sort of caught my eye from an artist perspective and from an art podcast perspective was his research um, and writings maybe more um, into the James Bond movies Um, and then also at the university he organized um, some film um, evenings that brought movies that would never other never otherwise be seen um, and that kind of thing so sort of bringing culture or at least contributing to culture in Lethbridge itself so I had a chat with him that's the good news the bad news is for a second week in a row I've had technical difficulties this time I was just a complete daft bunny and hit record but forgot to plug the microphones in so I apologize the audio is tinny Um, it is literally just um, coming from audio within the room so um, hopefully you'll get accustomed to that sound and get interested in hearing what uh, Paul has to say and I appreciate you tuning in thanks very much bye-bye Welcome to live from Studio Venus. I'm joined today by Paul Sparrow Clark, who I met up at our university days. Didn't get to chat with you very much no, there. On the seventh floor for a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in some of the same meetings, that kind of thing, but yes, you didn't really get to know you. Unfortunately, those, those <laughs> meetings. I know. So you're not at the university anymore. No. So you've opened your own business. I'm freelance. Um, yeah, I'm working with a consulting company out of Edmonton that uh, writes uh, market assessments, business plans, grant applications for clients across Alberta and beyond. So, yeah, are you liking it? Yeah, it's been going well so far. It's very hectic. Yeah. Lots of deadlines, lots of work, but um, yeah, good. Um, people actually appreciate what I do. Though. <laughs> it's good when, when a client says, "Oh, I'm so glad you did this. Thanks for helping out with this. It's you know, it makes it makes it all worthwhile." So that's been good. Yeah, it's a different atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, doing that kind of work. So when I thought of you, when I was thinking of you for the podcast, what has always really struck me is your love of movies and books and music and that kind of thing. So how did that come about? Right from when you were young, did you find movies? Uh, Movies. Um, I've always been into movies um, ever since I can remember. I, I started out loving horror, horror genre was, was the, the stuff I was really into and before, this is back, you remember these days, it's back in the days when if you, to see a film you had to see it on the theater yeah. or you had to turn it up on TV so there was no uh, availability of films outside of that uh, uh, theater or TV so in those days to learn about movies you, you read books, right? Yeah. So. So uh, I, I started out that way with a series of books that talked about horror movies and science fiction films and those are always interested in. So that really got me into it. So way before I saw any of these films, I knew everything about them. I knew the stars, I knew the directors, I knew the writers, I knew the producers, all of this stuff I knew before I actually finally got around to seeing these the films. Cow. And now, of course, you can see pretty much anything you want to. Yeah. Although um, um, the streaming, Streaming films, uh, 
I think leads to a bit of a, it, there's a, uh, a shallowness of content on yeah. most streaming services, which is why I still buy physical media. But that's how we get into it, was, was the interest, reading the books, learning everything about it, and then sort of catching up to that with finally getting to see these films when they finally became available on VHS and then DVD and then Blu-ray and, and beyond that, right? So it's not very usual <laughs> for a young person to read all the books, read who the producers are, yeah. to really do that research. Where did that come from? Um, just your brain? Just, just an interest. <laughs> I mean, and, and, the, yeah. and the funny thing is, um, I've connected with people now who also grew up in the UK during that period and similarly had a very, did very much the same thing. In fact, the first writing, big writing project I was involved in, with a, it was a book project run out of the UK. There's a magazine called We Belong Dead, which is a line from um, Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. We Belong Dead, he pulls a lever and blows the castle up the end of the, <laughs> scene, of the, of the film. Anyway, so, so there's a magazine which focuses on the era of classic horror, which they define as being the silent era up until about the 1970s or 80s. And so Eric McNaughton, the guy who does, does the magazine, he proposed a book project, and the first book was called 70s Monster Memories, and it was all about exactly my experience, which is growing up in the 70s during that time and getting into these kind of things, And but it covered books, movies, uh, TV series, and just everything, every piece of pop culture or whatever was covered in the book. And but uh, So I discovered that a lot of people went through the same thing and, and had the same experiences, got into the same movies, got into the same TV series, got into the same books. So there's a lot of us out there. And that's one of the great things with the internet, of course, you, is you connect with people who have those same interests yeah. that you never would have met up with otherwise, right? Right. And you've sort of passed it on for the next people. You're a very prolific writer for books and movies and that kind of thing. Are you, are you still? I'm still, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm prolific, but no? <laughs> it, it, in fact, I, I, I wish there was a way to monetize it because I'd, I'd like to quit my day job and start doing yeah. all this full time. Unfortunately, there isn't. Uh, um, I'm currently, there's a new book project coming out uh, same magazine, We Belong Dead Publications, is doing this book called Joint uh, of Monsters of Filmland. I got one piece in there. Um, and I just submitted three more essays for a, 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 the next book project after that, which is called Masses of Terror, which after which I did three pieces. One is Karl Freund, a German cinematographer. The other is... Um, I do so many now that I, I lose track. Carl Freund, Ray Harryhausen, the stop motion effects artist. And the third one was Jack Arnold, who is who was a director of the 50s that did a lot of key, of the key uh, monster movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon and stuff like that. So that that's in process. I uh, then after that I have there's another book project done with the same guy who's. He was using his time wisely with the COVID <laughs> pandemic to, to pump out these books. Right. And the next deadline is uh, Spotlight on Science Fiction, which covers key science fiction films. I've got three pieces in that. Don't ask me what they are because I just started <laughs> working on one, which is James Cameron's Aliens. And there's a couple more. I can't remember which ones they are, but I've got them all noted in my project management <laughs> software. So yeah. to keep me on track. But it, it's hard to fit this in between day job and other responsibilities but yeah. yeah 
So we should mention you're from Wales, right? Yes. And when did you come over? 1981. 81. So you would have been how old? Uh, 15. Yeah. Yeah. And how how was that? Were you happy to come over? Uh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> at 15, no. right? Like yeah, that's exactly. a real, yeah. like that's a real sort of space. Like that's a yeah. really big move for a 15 year old. Yeah. No. Uh, for sure. I mean, culture shock I've found consists mainly in the little details and yeah. it's the details you don't even think about because even though Canada's English speaking and it's very much the same in many many ways yeah. it's the little differences that accumulate and the one I always remember is getting on the bus and getting off the bus because in Wales in fact all across the UK at the time the, the rear doors of the bus opened automatically right, right. yeah and here they didn't so you're standing there like an idiot waiting for the doors to open and you have to. I can't remember. You have to push <laughs> yeah, it. Or you have to you do, have to do something. It is too, yeah. So, yeah. but it's the accumulation of small stuff like that, which, which, I think adds up to, uh, to culture shock rather than big differences. Yeah. Even though I, I can't imagine the experience that someone coming here from, say, yeah, you know, South America or, or whatever would would have. I mean, it must be just completely overwhelming because yeah. even I had uh, found it a little bit overwhelming initially. It's funny because when you say that for a lot of immigrants coming in, language is usually what we think of. Yeah. But you know that sort of shows that that definitely there's a lot more other things that within that culture. That, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So when you came here, did you find your people? Did you find people like-minded? And you know, you're high, in high school. You're, yeah. Not in high school. Um, a little bit in university. And uh, I mean, I, I got uh, some friends at university that I stayed in touch with long term, and we used to hang out and go to movies all the time. But um, yeah, so a little bit, but it really took off on the internet where you, it, your borders are suddenly expanded. Yeah. All of a sudden, um, even though Facebook in some ways is evil, <laughs> I, know. I have to give it credit because yeah. um, I connected with a lot of people I wouldn't have connected with otherwise, uh, including these, that, that fellow that I mentioned that does the book publications and the magazines and also uh, a couple of people in Chicago of all places that were into the James Bond films which is another passion of mine yeah and I guess it on a, a podcast that a guy called Frank Mangarelli runs that he where he's he's gone and he's covered he, he's covered every single film from the beginning of the series and he's yeah, I think he's still going yes I listened Hasn't to a couple to the of end, them yeah. actually so, yeah. yeah I listened yeah. to so that, that was a lot of fun so yeah. it was really the internet which which expanded it and then brought in uh, people who had the same interests so with James Bond which like you say is another passion and one of the things that I noticed because yeah. of evil Facebook yeah. I tried to go on Facebook for a couple months well I did go on Facebook for a couple months and I found I really did not feel as connected and maybe it's especially because mm -hmm. of COVID, but I'm not the type of person that's sort of out and about a lot anyway. Yeah. And so that is kind of a, yeah. a social way for yeah. me. It's the same for me too. Yeah. yeah. So I end up coming back. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. And Instagram's lovely that way too. You just get these little snippets that you're not really. It's it's so um, so much more subtle, I think. Yeah. Sometimes, not necessarily all the time. Um, so James Bond, did you approach it the same way you did all your horror films by reading and researching? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, that took a long time to come about because I'd seen the films on television here and there, and I liked them. And, but it was, it was really the 
books that got me into it more. When I when you discover the novels, you you realize that, that it's quite different yeah. in, to a lot of the films. And sorry, and and that sort of connected me with the little snippets of the characterization that they would put into some of the early films, and then it was brought back in here and there with uh, when Timothy Dalton, the Welsh actor, by the way, yeah. that took over the role in '87 and did two, only did two films. He brought it back and he injected quite consciously the character from the, the, from the pages of the novel into the films. So that so reading the books really got me into it more. He wasn't and, that. Not accepted isn't the right word, but he's not a lot of the no, favorites. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm in. Um, I think you, you'll find he's he's quite well regarded amongst hardcore fans, people who have read the books. But right. as, as, but among the general public, I, I would say he's probably dead last. Yeah. yeah. Know, which is which is a shame. I think. I think certainly with the Daniel Craig films, where where they've gone back to injecting more of the character into the stories. Yeah. I think some people have gone back and reevaluated Timothy Dalton and said, oh, well, look, because that's, in some cases, that's the seeds of where they've taken the series now, why in the, those two films that he did, right? Mm -hmm. I, uh, I have a sister named Tracy that's named after James Bond's wife, oh, Tracy. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I have a sister who's Who thankfully named... hasn't met the same face. No, no, not yet, not yet. She's, she's all good. And I have another one, uh, another sister named Sarah after Bob Dylan's song. I was always really okay. choked that I didn't get any cool yep. name out of yeah, her. <laughs> but, um, so what are you doing now? Well, it sounds like you're still sort of writing in the horror genre and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah, still continue with that as much as I can. Uh, I, I used, when I was employed at the university, I used to um, host film screenings for the, there used to be called the New Media Film Series, and then yeah. they rebranded it, I think it's the, I can't remember what it's called now, maybe just the UofL Film Series, I don't know, but so that, of course, leaves off the table, but I used to enjoy doing a couple of those screenings every year. Yeah. But of course, I'm not running now anyway because of the pandemic. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I'm going to keep looking for opportunities to... To write about this kind of stuff. I also write, you probably know, the Diabolique magazine. Mm -hmm. It's online. I, I, I do stuff for them occasionally. Um, I've, um, in fact, I just got a free disc in the mail the other day. Oh, <laughs> nice. They must like, this one company must like what I do, so they, I didn't even ask for this, and they just gave it. So I thought, oh, that's great. It's a free disc. Well, now I got to write a review of it. <laughs> so, but it's kind of cool to yeah, get to that point, is, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're fuller. The, the one thing that really, um, um, I noted about you is that you don't seem to take things in passively. So whatever whatever it is, you seem to. I don't know. Is that a right <laughs> a right description? But it seems to me everything sort of takes a, a passionate, you know, whether you're talking about your music or. Yeah. Well, for, I mean, for film writing, I mean, you, it's a different it's a different approach when you if you know that you're gonna have to write about it. Yeah. You're, you're watching it with different eyes. I mean, I always look at it. I always catch little things anyway. It's probably more than the average person does. But if you know you have to write about something, you know, That's you true. with a slightly more, um, critical is the wrong word. I hate the word critic. It's, it implies that it you're tearing stuff them. down. And I, I really don't like doing that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Lost my train of thought. That's okay. That'll happen. It happens to me a lot. Um, so what, who are, say, your favorite writers right now, would you say? 
Do you, is that like one of those? Not, not writers of movies, but writers of books? Yeah, just, yeah. Um, or do you find this, I find this sometimes, and I'm trying to get away from it, that when you are, that you only end up reading books that you are, you know, writing about and that sort of thing, or do you find that, are you someone who, well, I mean, books is a little bit different because uh, I don't, I don't actually write about books. Right. Right. So it's that's just purely for pleasure. So, I mean, I have favorite authors, but I, I, I tend to just dabble widely. Like I yeah. just look at stuff, and someone will recommend something. Oh, I'll go, and this looks interesting. I'll just, I mean, somebody, there was some post the other day that somebody put up. I think it was on Facebook or somewhere where it was like, um, read what you want to read. You know, don't read something because somebody says it's good for you or you think you should because it was on a top 10 list and they won some sort of literary prize. Yeah. I, I think, you know, read whatever the hell you want to read. So I, I just, as a result, I read just about anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up reading Stephen King, which, um, and I went away from Stephen King. And, Why is that? If yeah, because I, I didn't like, there was a couple of novels I didn't really get into. Yeah. And ironically, it was the novel It, which everybody loves. Yeah. Which was like, oh, I was kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. And then there was another one, The Dark Half, I think, which I didn't really enjoy. And I kind of just fell away from it. Yeah. And then, but I came back to him in the past couple of years and reread a few of the earlier novels and thought, oh, yeah, these, these are still really good. And then I caught up with some of his later stuff. And I thought, yeah, he's, he's still got some good stuff. Yeah. So Stephen King has always been a favorite. I love Harlan Ellison, uh, who's written in various genres, but always gets pigeonholed as a science fiction writer. But he's a very potent, kind of um, almost angry and very confrontational, and but really sharp sense of humor too. His stuff is really good. And I, I being into horror stuff, I, I always love the classic stuff like Emmer James, who's the classic writer of English ghost stories. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, which of course I'm. No, yeah. most people will know Lovecraft. Yeah. In spite of some of the horribly racist stuff that, <laughs> that uh, underlies some of his work. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, so so those would be some of my favorites. And but as I say, I just read widely and read whatever the hell interests me. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I think. Which, like you say, is what's yeah, definitely what's important. I know. Growing up, we were huge readers. And I read like the cereal box. Like I can't just sort of sit and not be able to read at the same time. Not very yeah. often, anyway. Yeah. I do occasionally read film books as well. I mean, it's not not my favorite thing to do, but once in a while I, I will read something that's quite interesting. I just finished a book on Christopher Nolan films mm. for the Nolan Variations, which is, which is quite interesting. It made me immediately want to see every single one of his films all over again. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. It, well, it's a for me. It's a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Yeah, I like histories too. I'm interested in science, but I mean, I just that's part of my problem in, in a sense. It's both a strength and a weakness. Is that I like so much stuff that it's yeah. I'm all over the map. A little bit of history, a little bit of science, a little bit of fiction, a little bit of you know. I can't see that. anything wrong with that. Yeah, well, I, no I, I mean, I agree. I'm, I'm yeah. on that one. Just makes you richer and richer. Yeah. And sometimes a novel that you won't think really affects you can influence your next reading of a novel. I think it's important not to close yourself off to, to different experiences and, and I think, I mean, I, it, it, which reminds me of when I first started doing that film series that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. The very first film I did, I hosted, was a film called The Orphanage. It's a Spanish mm -hmm. movie and it's it's a ghost story, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's mostly concentrates on atmosphere. There's, there's, there's one moment that I want, warned the audience that 
it will make you jump. You know, and everybody's probably crying, thinking, where's this, where's this movie coming? <laughs> they probably made it scarier for them. But yeah. and at the end of that film, it's a very moving film. It's got an amazing central performance by this female actress. And I'm not going to even mention her name because I'll probably just murder the name. But, <laughs> but she's amazing in it. And it's, it's, it's got this incredible, bittersweet, emotional ending. And at the end of the film, somebody came up to me who'd watched it and said, you know, thanks for showing us. I never would have seen this because it's not my type of movie. Yeah. And yet it's, it's a very rich... And I'd say that movie dramatically stands up against any straight drama, you know. Yeah. And so my point is, you, you should never close yourself off from from things, that, even though it might not be your genre, might not be your type of thing. You know, just give it a shot, and you never yeah. know, you might find your next favorite thing, right? Well, I'm still thinking of this sort of high versus low art, right? That... Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, there was this term recently that was thrown around called elevated horror. Oh. And it was meant to, to, to put a sheen on the horror film. Like, the, 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 have you seen the film Get Out? No. Yeah, it was, it's a very good film. Yeah. And, uh, but it was, uh, the term elevated horror was thrown around by these film critics. Horror as, as scares it, me. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which it, I know was the idea. Yeah, but. <laughs> well, partly, yes. Partly, no. But, yeah. But the idea behind elevated horror was, oh, it's, it's horror films, but they're intelligent. Right. And I looked at this and thought, well, fuck you. I mean, yeah. horror films have always been intelligent. Yeah. You know, they've always been there. Yeah. Just because you've chosen not to see it is, is your problem. It's, so I, I really don't like, so, I, I, so to your point about high art versus low art, I don't think there should be any distinction. I think no. you can find um, worthwhile messages, worthwhile subtext in pretty much anything. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's the same, well, I mean, we are talking about visual art as well, but I think it's definitely the same, I know, as as an artist the other way we're often especially when you get into the academic world too and you can kind of find yourself into that low versus high art that i think yeah. we have to i think we have to fight and yeah. and sort of be able to be open to many many more things no no i agree 100 percent. and another film that i showed as part of that same film series was a swedish vampire film called let the right one in Right, I know. Have you seen that one? No, oh, I'm, I'm writing away, yeah, yeah, writing yeah, that's, away. That's, a, that's just an amazing film, and uh, um, the, the central character. There's two central characters. One is a is the vampire who is appears to be like a little girl who's about thirteen or fourteen years old. Yeah. Of course, frozen in time because she's immortal, and then she befriends this this kid who's being bullied at school. And somebody afterwards came up to me and, and said, you know, that film was really about two lost souls finding each other. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. If you strip away everything else, that's the core of the film. So, again, high art versus low art. No, you can find it anywhere. Well, yeah. As long as you keep yourself open to it, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you miss being able to go to theater? Yes. Or, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's... I enjoy, and there's lots of stuff that you can only see at home. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously you can't, all these films from the 70s or whatever, you, you there's no way of seeing them other than on disc or the odd times on streaming services. But uh, no, so so that aside, the theatrical experience for me will always be the mm -hmm. best way to see a movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you have like a big TV and sound at home so you can really not, experience the? Uh... Not, not sound. Not sound. <laughs> I mean, I have headphones. Cause, oh, do you uh, listen to a lot with your headphones on? Yeah, yeah. Because oh. uh, it, it gets too loud otherwise. So, and headphones give you the surround sound. 
Well, and the headphones so. too, though. That's such a, I mean, that oral sort of thing that you have. Yeah. Like having headphones in, it's just like a completely different experience. Yeah, it's, it can be a, actually can be more immersive. I mean, I'd rather have an amazing sound system, but I, I just I yeah. don't have an amazing sound system. Yeah. So the headphones is a good standby, and I just have a fairly big TV. But I recently upgraded the 4K, which you can actually notice a difference on for older films. Hmm. Not so much in your films because, and I, I did some reading on this actually, and it's because more modern films have digital effects in them, and the digital effects are actually remastered at 2K only. So when you're watching in 4K, there's not much of a difference oh, okay. because it has a low because the, the everything is digitally has a low slightly low resolution anyway. But for older films, which are actually on photochemical film, there's a ton of detail in film which. Uh, a 4K disc will capture. So if you're watching something like 2001 A Space Odyssey on a 4K disc, right. it looks absolutely amazing oh. because it's pulling out more of the vivid of colors. What it actually yeah, exactly, has. the vivid colors from the physical film, right? That's not right. Hey. Yeah. And so 4K television, sorry to be so daft, but I don't really know what 4K means. It's uh, 4K, it's just. Uh, I think it just simply means um, that what? something is scanned at 4,000 lines of resolution. So is, but it's a television. It's a exactly, yes. Okay. <laughs> to, to, to watch in 4K, you need, you need a 4K player, a 4K TV, oh, okay. and a 4K disc. Oh, okay. those three things, you just, you're watching in 4K. And then, yeah. So the basic principle is that, that um, you're, you're boosting lines of resolution. So DVD, I think, I'm going to stretch back here. I think <laughs> DVD, I think, is something like 480 lines of resolution. Blu-ray is 12... 80 lines of resolution, 1260, something like that. Okay. So that's a boost, and then 4K is 2160 oh, lines of resolution. Right, so each right. one is a step up in terms of the amount of detail that you're seeing on the screen. So that's the basics. That's why when I go into the, like, where they sell televisions, they all look amazing. Yeah. And mine at home looks like crap. So yeah. it's, it's the whole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a techie guy, but, that, that's, but that's, that's the big, uh, all, all I want to know is, does yeah. it, is it going to look better? Yeah. Uh, the answer is yes. So, yeah. yeah. And you had mentioned at the beginning that you like the physical copies of things. So does that mean when you're buying music, you're not just streaming it, you're buying the physical albums or discs or? Yeah, music's a little bit different. Um, I, I, I do, I've moved more towards streaming Apple Music and such, because it's, it's on my phone, it plays in the car. And, but yeah, for, for films, definitely physical media. Yeah. Uh, partly because of this, just, just sheer shallow, shallowness of, of the catalog on most streaming services. Yeah. I mean, yeah. somebody did a graph of it one time where you look at something like Netflix, yeah. and the number of films from 2016, then it goes down. And as you get past about 2000, it goes zoop. Yeah. And it's barely anything from yeah. from before then. So it's, it's What do you think sad. of all these other streaming? I mean, so you're sort of mentioning that a lot of these streaming things are so um, low in having, well, I'm going to say quality quality movies, classical movies, that kind of thing. What do you think, there sort of seems to be where it's coming out with more streaming, more streaming. Do you think we're gonna get, I guess maybe we might get something that's streaming older movies. I haven't seen anything like that yet. But. Yeah, I mean, the, there's options. I mean, I, I don't subscribe to this, the, 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 criteria, the Criterion channel. 
Okay. It's the Criterion Collection was, it started out with Laserdiscs way back in the day. And I actually bought, I used to buy Laserdiscs. So yeah. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> but and did you keep it? Like, do you have all your stuff or are you good I, getting rid of it? I don't have a player anymore. I still have the Laserdisc somewhere. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in DVD and play. It's actually far better quality now. But yeah. but back in the days, Criterion Collection did, it, it's essentially, it, it's a collection of foreign and important art films and stuff. And that's how it started out, and then um, it went into DVD and Blu-ray. So the Criterion channel is based on the Criterion collection. It's the same sort of um, vision is to present important and significant films from around the world. Hmm. Uh, I don't subscribe to it, but uh, so that's one option. Uh, Amazon Prime actually is not too bad. Talking about evil corporations. I know. Amazon as well. I, like it, but, I know. It's but, so, so hard. I did. I know. I know. I, I did sign up for Amazon Prime, and it, it was actually to access certain series. Um, but I did discover that they there's a they have a few older titles in the horror genre. Yeah. The seventies and such. I mean, not much, but there is stuff there. I think the problem now is that there's too much choice. Yeah. Because I mean I'm I'm with Crave, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. There's still stuff that I can't access. But I'm thinking I'm not signing up for one more service, you know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I I don't think. Have you gotten rid of regular cable yet? Yeah, I haven't watched regular cable I'm, for years. Well, I haven't. I don't know that I've watched it, but it's there. Still There's there. so many like some of the movies and different things that you can have. Yeah. You can only have those channels if you have the whole thing. Yeah, so yeah, but exactly. it seems like there's so many streaming that might be the way to go and just get rid of yeah. people cable. Yeah, you know for sure. I'm a, but uh, for physical media, uh, for films, there's there's a number of it stayed alive, and there's a number of boutique labels now which are putting out stuff, old cult, really obscure stuff in these amazing editions. Criterion Collection was the the original one, but now there's like Shout Factory is one. There's Arrow Video from the UK, and now in putting out stuff in Canada and they've recently gone to 4K. Uh, there's, there's a number of them that and down to really small labels like, well, what's one of them called? Vinegar Syndrome, I think, is that puts out these these films that you, I've heard of them. Yeah. You know, maybe, but they do amazing work. And this is stuff that's never gonna ever turn up on streaming. So your only choice if you're really into these movies and really into finding older cult movies is to, still buy physical media mm -hmm. that's the only way you'll get these films yeah and are there you know there's sort of i know for albums right there's different like sort of festivals or selling places or where people are trading and that sort of thing is there the same kind of thing for sort of the older movies especially now that we have um uh you know that we have online and that sort of thing so you have an accessibility to trade and get things and is that something that I'm People do with the classic movies. I, I'm something I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I'm just not in that sort of realm. I, I know the, if you if you want to get really specialized, I mean, people still, there's the, the people that trade in physical copies. I mean, actual film reels. Right. They'll actually trade back and forth. I used to know somebody wow. who's into it and was trading copies of these, but I'm, I've never owned a projector. So, uh, I mean, there probably is. I, I think there are. Um, festivals and, and things where, where things like that where people will, will trade these things but i do it all online yeah you know, so yeah. I, I mean i subscribe to again the facebook pages of all yeah. these small labels and they will announce films that are coming out and so well that will cue me to go and order one but uh i'm living in lethbridge of course we don't really 
get these kind of things. I mean, they, they, they're happening in places like London. Yeah, I'll uh, bet, the, big, eh? the big places, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought of moving back to Wales? Yes, actually. Yeah? Yeah, it might, it might happen, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Are your, did your parents stay here? No, they're back. They're back there. They've been eh? back there since Little 19... brats, so they brought you here and then yeah, they went back? Yeah, took <laughs> off and, yeah, no, back in 95, so oh, okay. back there for a while now. Yeah, Which so gives me a good excuse to go back. I, it does, I, yeah. yeah. I go yeah. back once every year and a half or so. Of course, it's been a while now since I've been there. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, it'd be kind of kind of cool because then you are closer to to London and those sort yeah. of things to try and have access to that, right? Yeah, well, I've looked in, in, in Envy with these these festivals that people post about, oh, I'm here and I met this amazing star and I got my yeah. photo taken with so-and-so who starred in this movie from you know 1960. and. I'm like, wow, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I know in Berlin too, they have all kinds of really cool things going on there, right? Different festivals and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah just much more access than than we have here. But you're starting yeah. it, right? I mean, yeah. you did that with having the the film nights and that kind of thing. So making sure that some of that culture does come back to those for people like me that don't know anything yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you no, like for sure. music? Music? Or is that all over the place too? That's pretty I much hope. all. Over, that's all over the place too. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and my favorite band has always been U2 since the 1980s. I mean, yeah. I've, I've always loved their music, but honestly, I dabble in everything. I mean, jazz to blues. I love classic blues. I mean, classic blues was the stuff that kept me going through university. You know, at that and alternative rock music kept me going through university. There was a uh, bar on White, it's still there actually, on White Avenue. It was called the Blues on White Pub. It used to be called the Commercial. I don't know if it's still called the Commercial mm -hmm. anymore, but it was, it was known back then. It's, it's a bit gentrified now, but it was back, back then. It was, it was a biker's hangout. Yeah. But so and students were hanging. So you got this weird mix of of, of students and bikers <laughs> at this bar. King Eddie was they, kind of like that. Oh yeah, Did yeah. I think it's, I think it's yeah. I've heard yeah. about it. I think it sounds like the same thing. Yeah. But they used to bring in these these blues bands, um, these touring bands from Chicago and Texas and all these places, and it was just awesome. Like yeah. it was really good music. So classic blues has always stuck me, and that led me to digging deeper into the blues. Um, Robert Johnson, you know, and then Muddy Waters and uh, Willie Dixon, all the, all that classic stuff I got into because that is the birthplace of everything we see now in popular music. You can right. all be traced back to that time. Right. And um, yeah, so but other I'm a yeah so blues, jazz, I'm a classical, I'm just about everything. Yeah. I will I'm a little bit of film soundtracks, obviously. Yeah. But um, I, I dabble in pretty much anything. Anything is fair game. Really. And yeah, well, and that's I I believe that's how we should be, right? And yeah. you're no, I agree. you're open to more and instead yeah. staying in our our little shells, but that's why it's sort of really nice that we do have the internet and that sort of thing now because there's a lot of music yeah. that I never would have heard of otherwise. Either my friends aren't playing it or or whatever, so it's one of the yeah the great things. And I think if we're always open to what we may hear or. Yeah. Or what's going or that kind of thing. And I, and I think there's a role on the internet too for people who are, um, for want of a better term, curators. Yeah, yeah. Like who, who will, so if, you, so if you think, oh, I'm, I'm like the end of jazz, but I don't really know. And, and there's somebody out there will, will put together a list of, you know, the key, Absolutely. the key words. Or if you're interested in this, then talk about this. Here's the 10 yeah. things you should listen to. So that's what the internet is really good for. 
yeah. is people will act as curators of, yeah. of certain things right now. It'll it'll give people a way into things that they they otherwise go well. I don't have a clue what to listen to here, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it is one. And for myself, who doesn't know a ton, I grew up like with Dylan and Neil Young and all that. That was my my dad's music, so it kind of came. So there's a lot. I mean, he listened to blues and that kind of thing. So definitely, I got some of that, but. A lot of the music when I want to learn something new, that's where I'm going to try and yeah. okay, give me that core that I can start and then I can yeah. research and find out what else. Talk about music, we can't really go by without James Bond and having <laughs> those <laughs> their their uh, um, you know their sort of main soundtrack is. Yeah. Um, they have Billy. Have you seen the latest James Bond movie? Isn't he? Even, it hasn't come out. I was going to say it was delayed. It was April. 2020 was original release date that got bumped to november and uh that got bumped to april 2021 right. and I, well, I, will, right? I will i will lay money on it being delayed again till the fall so it's gonna Do you think be, they'll wait for theaters is that why they're waiting I, yeah i think they're gonna wait for theaters for that yeah. one and then they've the rumors were they were talking to apple or somebody to to, to stream it but i think they're holding out for theater which will be awesome and then yeah, I'm I'm too mind with that. I've been waiting so long to see this damn thing <laughs> that part of me would say, "Oh God, for God's sake, just release an Apple TV. I'll even buy yeah. an Apple TV device to hook up to my TV just so I can watch it." Yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, on the on the flip side, part of me thinks that well, I just want I want to see in a theater. I'll I'll wait for another six months. Yeah. So, but yeah. anyway. That's a, that's how I feel too. Well, I was just saying because Billy Art. I wish yeah. song yeah. came out yeah. and I thought it was great. I thought she I, did, I loved it. Too. I thought she did yeah. like a fabulous yeah. job. It had that real classic her yeah. brother, I guess, had such a classic uh James Bond yeah. you know feel to it cuz some of them got I mean I think Madonna did one, right? Oh yeah. Did you yeah. too? Too? You too? No, well? no, no, but um uh Bono on the Edge wrote the song Goldeneye which Tina Turner oh. sang, which I thought was a great track. I mean, yeah. it's one of my favorite of, yeah. the, of the more recent ones. Yeah. But I thought Billie Eilish did a great job. And I'm not even a Billie Eilish fan. I, you know, I really know nothing about her. I yeah. thought uh, they did a fantastic job. And of course, Ham Zimmer, mm -hmm. uh, who's quite famed, quite well known for his soundtracks, course, did, yeah. uh, worked on that track as well. In addition to, were you a fan of the Smiths? Yeah, yeah, yeah back for then, sure. Johnny Marr, the guitarist, uh, works with Ham Zimmer and he did oh. guitar on, on uh, that, that Billie Eilish track, oh, and I guess really? the whole soundtrack called the movies here, the whole soundtrack, yeah, of course. But so if you listen to that song again at the very end, where there's a there's a guitar twang, that's oh. Johnny Marr playing. He said, right, he said in an interview, I finally got to play that classic Bondian, <laughs> you know, guitar twang at the end of that song. So that must be what sort of captured me too. So sometimes we know yeah. something sounds like something or sounds right, but we're not sure why, and yeah. and that's probably why it has such a classic feel too right yeah. especially if Hans Zimmer was yeah. was a part of that too ah so and you never got dabbling into like the other arts painting or no I mean I, I, I can't really draw so oh <laughs> I can't either <laughs> thank god that's not the requirement yeah. for doing art I did but the only other thing I ever <laughs> got into was uh for a brief time I, I, I jammed with a bunch of guys and up in Edmonton we had a garage band going and that was that was it yeah I, the one claim to fame for when i was playing with them was uh, one of our songs got played one time on radio hay river about <laughs> midnight so, oh. so. <laughs> there we go yeah. yeah well it was cool to talk to you it was 
nice to learn a little bit more about you and and I would love if you would give us maybe some links to, sure. to some of these things that we've been talking about so that I can put that on the podcast because you've given us such a wealth of information and recommendations. I'll, I'll put those to some different recommendations of good things to follow up. So that'd be nice. Yeah, no worries. All right. It's been Cheers. a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul Sparrow Clark, for, for joining me this week. Hopefully you found something new as, as you know, with all of the um, wonderful information that Paul gave us this episode, we will have some links um, in the, in the uh, episode notes. So feel free to kind of look at the different things that he brought up and shared with us. Thanks very much. Next week, we're talking to Catherine Domes. This is Laura Lee, and this was live from Studio Venus.